Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning, church. How y'all doing? So good to see you this morning. Fearless has gone on out already. It's right. The team put the graphics up. That's so good. Nathan, our amazing drummer, is running our intermediates this morning. Give our hands to Nathan. He's such a cool guy. Have a great morning out there with him, Nathan. Hey, so yeah, my name's Jared, one of the pastors here at Thrive. I actually haven't been in here for a wee while because I've been over at our 5 to 10-year-olds program in the loft, which is above the hunting shop and the Gables Arcade. And man, it has been so much fun over there. If you haven't seen that space, you should have a wee nosy at some point. My favorite thing is that there's an AstroTurf hockey field in there and a rock climbing wall and a gymnastics tumbling mat and a drinking fountain. Because I don't know if you've ever been involved working with kids. Um, there's, there's two things that happen all the time is that kids are either just wanting to do something or because they've been doing something, they're just like, I'm thirsty. Um, and now we have a drinking fountain. It's just like this miraculous thing that no child comes up to me saying, I'm thirsty. And it's just, oh, honestly, it's changed my life. It's amazing. Hey, uh, so I want to I share a, a, a word with you this morning. Uh, if you're taking notes, if you're a note taker, it's helpful taking notes because science reckons that you remember more. Um, taking notes is the disclaimer that's really biased towards those who can spell well. So if you're like me and you struggle with spelling, you just get so frustrated with the autocorrect, not even knowing what word it is that you're trying. Like my goal in life is if I can be close enough that when the scriggle line comes under and then I tap it, you know, it can find the word. But when you have this and you know that the word is probably right and then the squiggle comes in, you're like, oh, and then it says no replacement found. And then Siri's like, do you want me to look this up for you and search for something? And it's like, come on, guys. Like, I put at least one vowel in there. It should be right. So my word this morning is called a gift fit for a king. A gift fit for a king because we're coming into Christmas and generally when I speak, um, I like to have something that really encourages, inspires, and, and challenges us. Every time I bring a word, I, I wanted to do something that it would begin to just adjust some of the culture around our lives. That we would hear a word from God, that it would resonate in our spirit, and it would bring about a change in our beliefs that would result in a change in our actions, that would result in a change in our life, that we would continue to grow more and more into who God is calling us to be. And so when I've been putting this word together, my heart this morning is that you would be inspired, that you would be encouraged, but you would also be really challenged to continue to grow more into that Christ-like image that Christ saw on the cross when he laid his life down for us. And uh, it's, it's an interesting thing going, oh God, we're coming into Christmas. I, I want to I give you a really good gift. God, I want to give something of myself to you that you highly value. And when you, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, when you give a gift to God, whether that's your time, whether it's your finances, whether that's love, whether that's taking your risk, you know, kids, we're, we're God's kids, and that makes us the best re-gifters. Because every good gift that we have comes from God. 
So it's not actually possible for you to give God something that He hasn't already given you. So it's kind of like when your kids want to get you a Christmas present and they go to the warehouse with you and, and then they're like, I want to get you this. And you're like, oh, that's nice. They're like, can I have that card that just makes it work? And then you buy the gift for yourself and then, you're, then you help your child wrap it up and then you put it under the tree and they're like, I want to give it to you now. You're like, no, no, you have to wait. And they get all upset because they want to give it to you right now. And then Christmas Day comes and they give you the gift that you bought, that you wrapped, that you made them be patient with. And you're like, I'm so blessed. That's what it's like for God with all of us. Because every good gift we have comes from Him. And so a gift fit for a king, I want to today, I want to talk about what, what I think is the highest gift that you can give to God. And it's not time. It's not finances, it's not energy, it's not your passion or excitement, it's holiness. And I, I want to talk about holiness this morning, which is not something that I, I, I touch on, on a whole lot. And in Western society, in churches, it's not actually something that we camp around a whole lot. It's something that churches camped around a whole lot 50 years ago, and there was this great understanding of what it meant to be holy and to live a life that was holy and pleasing to God. And what can happen in times is that when you, when you focus on something, you can begin to look at things outside of the perspective of grace, outside of the perspective of mercy. And what can happen over time is that people get this misconception that I have to live holy or God's going to get angry with me. And then what happens is they go, well, I don't, I, that's not true. God's not like, you know, it's, He's not like a, a grumpy guy with a stick looking to punish us if we step out of line. And so then things swing towards God is just, no matter what I do in life, He's going to be pleased with me, which is also not true. You know, whatever I do in life, God is going to love me. Yeah, because He is love. But that doesn't mean that, that our lifestyle is, is pleasing to Him and is giving Him honor and is giving Him glory. And that is going to be a good fruit in our life. And so I want to talk about holiness, holiness this morning. Because when we live a life that is holy and pleasing to God, by default, it starts to be a good fruit for us. You know, our, our mental and emotional well-being, it lifts. Because the Bible says that sin, the wages of sin is death. And basically what that means is that when we have things in our life that ought not to be there, given enough time, they will start to manifest in negative things in our life. They will start to, to manifest in anxiety and fear. It can manifest in, in a whole mannerism of things because the devil wants to rob, kill, and destroy. And his gateway to do that is the gateway of sin. Now, People have this thought sometimes that holiness is the absence of sin. But that's not true. Holiness is, is, has an identity all of its own. If, if anything, sin is the absence of holiness. So if you would like this for an example, holiness is like light. And sin is the, is the absence of holiness. And so when I was... And I was, I was born into a Christian family and grew up with an amazing mum and dad. And, and a lot of us here know this story. When I was 13, my dad suddenly passed away from an asthma attack. And, you know, in the middle of all of that grief and trauma, this thought 
awoke in me. How will I become a godly man without a godly father to show me the way? And that passage in the Bible of God saying, I'll be a father to the fatherless was something that became really, really dear to me. I joined this church around that time and I met Christy Arth, who, who is doing amazing things all over the place, and Glenn Fraser, um, you know, our lead pastor, and they became great father figures in my life that began to speak life into me. And in the middle of that season, God placed a real passion in me for integrity. I remember talking to God about different things and this hunger kind of almost supernaturally began to grow in me as a 14 then and 15 year old to have a lifestyle that was righteous, that was holy, that was pure, that had integrity. And I remember praying consistently, like I'd be on my knees in my room going, God, just give me integrity. I want to have a lifestyle that is filled with integrity. If you would give me Nothing else. I'll be happy if you just give me integrity. And this great hunger just rose up in me. And every day I'd be on my hands and knees going, God, I just want to be righteous. God, I want my actions to please you. I want my life to give you honor. God, give me integrity so that I have a life that is a gift for you. And as a young person, that's not something that I'll go, well, Jared was just in a really good headspace. I was a mess. I was dealing with so many different things. But it is the grace of God that empowers us to live a lifestyle fit for Christ. See, grace, grace isn't this thing. Like Paul says, you know, God's grace is more than enough. Grace isn't something that gives us permission to fail, to fall short of the glory of God. Grace is a thing that comes around us and supernaturally uplifts the desires of our heart to live right for Christ. So grace wasn't coming around me as a 15-year-old struggling with all the different things that teenagers struggle with, going, you know what, Jared, it's okay. I've got grace for you in the season. You've lost your dad. You're going through a hard time. I'm going to extend uh, extra permission for you. You can just run amok for a bit. I've got grace. You're just covered with grace. What grace did is it came around me and it put a supernatural hunger in me. They're going, if I can have one thing, it would be righteousness. That's what grace does. See, God said said this, seek first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness and everything else is going to get given to you. And, And like, I don't know about you, but I want everything else. Like, I want all that. I look at all that. I'm like, look at all of that. I want that. It's shiny. It's so good. It's the opposite of leg day at the gym. It's just nice. I want it. And God goes, I want to give you this. And when you talk to God about it, I've got good things for you. And I'm just like, is it a Ferrari? (laughs) And he goes, it's wisdom. And I'm like, He needs that autocorrect thing on his spelling like I do. Can't spell Ferrari at all. God, I want, I want all that stuff. He goes, yeah, I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to give you understanding. I'm going to give you self-control. And I go, I, don't, I just want the Ferrari. <laughs> but we begin to seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. They go, they go hand in hand. So there's three things that I want to speak around this morning to help prepare us to be able to give God 
the greatest gift, a gift fit for a king. And uh, I'm not normally one for having words that start with the same. You know, preachers are like, I've got the five D's of discipline. Um, I've got, I got three P's here that help you have a prosperous life. Get your mind out of the gutters. Proximity, perspective. Debbie's like, I don't know what he's talking about. You're so righteous, Debbie. It's excellent. Proximity, perspective, and power. Proximity, perspective, and power. Okay, here's the first one with proximity. I, I, I want to be close to God. Pretty much everyone in this room goes, I just I want to be close to God. I want, I want to hear His voice. I want to hear His voice and I want to walk empowered by His grace. I want, to, I, 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 want to, I want to hear His voice and I want to move with love and I want to move with power. I want to pray for sick people and see them healed. I, just, I want to be able to move with words of wisdom and knowledge that I could come up to somebody in the street that is just walking with the weight of the world on their shoulders and the Holy Spirit would speak to me and go, this is a word for this person. I go, hey, God sees you in this situation. This is what He would want to say to you. And they go, man, how did you know that? I go, that was the love of Jesus Christ. And they walk away being empowered and set free. I want that. Do you have that? You've got to walk close with Jesus. You've got to be so close to Him. See, Jesus said, I only ever do what I see the Father doing. You've got to be pretty close to somebody to see what they're doing all the time. So it's proximity. But here's the thing. If you want proximity, you need to have, you need to have holiness in your life. You need to have holiness. This is what it says in Psalm 24, verse 3. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in His holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god, they will receive blessings from the Lord and vindication from God, their Savior. See, if, if we want to walk close with God, God goes, man, that's great. I want you to walk close with me. Can you walk at the pace that I'm walking? Can you keep in rhythm with the rhythm that I'm walking? If you want to walk where I walk and you want to climb to the heights where I climb, then you can't have baggage that weighs you down. Ah, oh, I don't know. Is Phil Uden you in the room? That guy's a beast. Man, Phil Uden, he can just mountain climb with like 40 kgs on his back. He could go days after days after days after days. I don't even want to have like, like a bum bag. <laughs> I'm like, uh-uh. I already don't want leg day, let alone that with 40 kgs on my back. That's like us with God. God's like, man, this is where I'm going. This is where I'm going. You can't go where I'm going with 40 kgs of baggage on your back. You can't, you can't take that stuff with you. Your, your, your bitterness and your unforgiveness, that'll slow you down. Paul says, throw off every restraint that would hinder you in your race for the gospel. Because if you want to climb the mountain of the most high and, and stand in the holy place, then sin is like a baggage that just weighs us down. And I don't say this so that people go, oh man, I'm so wet down, I'm a bad person. I say this that Jesus can just take that off you. Because we're going to give him something that he's already given to us. We're just re-gifting. We're just re-wrapping and giving back to him what he gave to us on the cross. So when I was, um, when I was saying I was 15, yeah, and uh, it was just, just like yesterday, um, 
I'm lying down yesterday and my five-year-old goes, what's wrong with your face? And I go, what did you mean? She goes, you have all these little white hairs. What is that? I said, that's called being old. She goes, ah, well, that's okay. You've still got lots of brown ones, I guess. (laughs) Where was I? Oh, yes. I was like 15, okay. Um, And, you know, back in those days, Pokemon was huge. Okay, that was like the bee's knees. And I loved Pokemon. You could say accurately that I became obsessed with Pokemon. It was easy to be then, though. There were only 150 to catch and collect. And I had their posters all over my walls. My walls were totally covered. And I had all the action figures. I had, I had it all. And I was like, I had Pokemon battles with my cousins, and I would demolish them. And not with Game Boys, with the actual, like, plastic Pokemon. None of this card business. We were like the OG. And I'm talking to Jesus one day, and he just speaks to me. And it was like a knife in my heart. And the conversation went kind of like this. Hey, Jared, how come you love watching a TV show more than you love spending time with me? And I'm going, God, I want integrity. I want holiness. And God's going, yeah, I want proximity with you. If you want this, it's going to take proximity. You spend more time doing any of this stuff, and it has more of your heart than I do. We can't have proximity if, if you're going to love a television show and spending time with that more than you want to spend time with me. Like, that's just not a heart valley that's going to jowl for our proximity. And it struck me like it cut my heart deep. And then as a real fervent 15-year-old who's bordering on a pyromaniac, I just got it all together on my own. I don't even think I spoke to my mom about this with this big steel drum. And I took everything that I'd been collecting for the last few years. I put it in the drum. I went, I just want integrity. And if I need to be, if this would be something that could possibly slow me down, I don't want it. And I just burnt it all. Now, I'm not saying go out and burn things, especially if it's a Ferrari, okay? 628 Woodfield Road, that's my address. I'll take that burden off your hands. But it was the heart attitude of going, this matters to me so much more. As a 15-year-old, God, if you will give me integrity, I'll give you anything that is in the way. So proximity is incredibly important. But perspective is so essential to get an understanding of where we're at. And so here's, here's the challenge, okay? So you jump back. 50 years, so I'm not born yet, and the world was quieter. And 50 years ago, there was a time delay on that one. I had to slowly roll back, and the people at the back of the room were like, I don't get it, but everyone else is chuckling. I've got to join in. Um, <laughs> we've got to stay focused, people. We'll never get through the night. So I have three pages. We've only got through one. Okay, okay. Um, where was I? Perspective. Okay, so 50 years ago, the moral society was so different to what it is today. You know, and there's some places that the world has made incredible progress in. Like, I'm so grateful that we don't have the racism issues that the world had 
you know, in the 1950s. Like, good job, world. Good job, everybody that, you know, that was stupid. And we've still got a wee ways to go, but we're making progress in that area. That's excellent. Good job, everybody. Um, but there's a whole lot of other areas you go, man, we have taken as a world quite a few steps back. And so it used to kind of be like this was the world standard 50 years ago. And this was like almost like a Christian standard because I want to live holy for the Lord. I'm in this world, but not of the world. And what can happen over time is that these standards, like the gap between them stays the same, but they just slowly drop. You know, because you just keep, your perspective isn't based sometimes upon what the Word of God says, but going, well, it's just, you're gauging it in relation to what the community around you is expressing, going, well, I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. You go, well, that's true. Not in the world. I mean, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. You're in Christ. Let's, let's put the, 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 the words in their full context. I'm not in the world. I mean, I'm in the world. Oh my gosh, humans. My brain. You know what I'm saying. So perspective, I want to share this story with you from Luke. And Jesus is, Jesus is having a good old day. And he says this, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like that tax collector over there. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I tell you that the tax collector, rather than the Pharisee, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. See, when we, when we look at the world around us to get our perspective, we're just looking at a crooked measuring rod. And this is what David said. David said, God, search my heart. God, I, I need you to search my heart. Paul said this. Paul was talking about this, this whole, whole concept. and says, man, I don't even want to judge my own life. Because like this, this is so important to make sure that I have a proper perspective that even though I'm the expert in the law, even though I've planted all these churches, even though I've raised the dead, even though I've been raised to life myself, even though all of these things, this is so important. I don't even want to have the sole responsibility for judging my own heart. God, I need you to judge my heart for me. God, I, I need you to give me perspective. And... I don't know about you. You might be the nicest person in the world. I am not. So I would much rather that Jesus, who is love, be the one to give me perspective rather than me giving me perspective. Because when I give myself perspective, it just sounds nasty. You know, and I'm just like, man, you're bad at this and you're useless at that. You can't even spell good. Um, you know, <laughs> It's just all these things, and I'm just like, I get all weighed down, and I just feel condemned. And then these other, you know, like, the, just, just like, it's just not a good time. Jesus said this. He says, I stand at the door and knock. If you open up the door and let me in, I'm going to come and have a meal with you. See, he's such a God of relationship. He doesn't say, if you open the door and let me in, 
I'm going to come in as a building inspector, the ultimate carpenter, and I'm going to give you the job list of things we need to do to get your home and your heart up to code. He goes, oh, I'm the God of relationship. I'm going to come in and have a meal with you. I'm going to do this whole thing from relationship. And then out of relationship, I'm going to begin to show you the areas of your life that are holding you back from having a holy lifestyle that is fully pleasing to me. That you would have fullness and wholeness and peace and joy and self-control. That you would have all of these things. See, I've got, I got three kids. And when we tell our kids to go tidy their rooms, we have a few different things. One of our children goes in and is instantly overwhelmed. Just every time and will just cry because they're just like, I don't know where to start. I have another child who will go in and instantly enter a daydream. I sent this child in the other day to tidy their room. I came back 40 minutes later. They had sat down and they had not moved one thing. I said, what have you been doing? And they went, oh, well, I don't know. Wow, I just got thinking about things, you know. <laughs> and then this one's not a secret. I have Ruby. You tell Ruby to tidy her room. She'll just do it. You go, you got to put away 20 things, and she'll put away 20 things. She can't count to 20, so it doesn't take very long. One, two, 20, we're done. <laughs> but if I tell my kids, I'm going to help you tidy your room, we count right through to 20. The, the daydreamer stays focused, and the overwhelmed person enjoys the experience. I go, I'm going to help you tidy your room. We're going to do this together. Now, here's, here's the truth. When you have things in your heart that, you, that the Holy Spirit begins to reveal to you, He begins to shine His light on and goes, you know what? That's just sin. You, that's not what I have for you. I have more. And we go, oh, I feel, feel a little bit exposed. God, I feel a little bit vulnerable. And then we go, Jesus, I'm I'm sorry, and I want to give this to you. And it kind of can feel, when you're starting out in that process, it can feel pretty unnerving because you're just not used to it. But there's actually a real beauty in it. There's a real sweetness where Jesus comes around and, and we kind of have this expectation through past learning experiences with friends or family that we're going to get in trouble. But he just comes in so loving and goes, man, it's, I've been waiting for you to give me this. I'm going to tell you a really good example using Glenn. A couple times in my life, I've had a conversation with Glenn. And I said, Glenn, I'm really struggling with this. I just need to be real. I'm really struggling. Remember one time we were in the kitchen. He's doing the dishes. What a good guy. And uh, I'm standing there not doing the dishes. Going, Glenn, I'm, I'm really struggling with this area of life. He just went, huh, I've been waiting for you to bring this up. I've been wondering how long will it take you to ask for help in this? And God, I just, you know, I go, why do you say anything? He goes, well, I just, I knew that when you were ready, you'd want to just hand this on. And that's kind of like what Jesus does. He stands at the door and he knocks. He doesn't come in with an inspector's list. But he comes in and goes, I just want to help you. I want to give you fresh perspective so that you can have proximity with me. I'm going to finish off with John chapter 8, verse 2. If we could grab the keys up, that'd be excellent. Thanks, team. At dawn, Jesus appeared in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery and the law of Moses says that we get to stone her. 
Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus, he bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. They kept on questioning him and he straightened up and said to them, let anyone who is out sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stopped, stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard him began to walk away one at a time, the oldest ones first until it was just Jesus left with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. You read the Bible and there's these, all these amazing moments where Jesus heals somebody and he says, Hey, go and sin no more. Go be righteous. Go pursue integrity. Go be holy. Because He wants us to have proximity and because He wants us to be able to be close to, to the places that He wants to take us. He wants to give us perspective. But just how I started this message with those thoughts on grace, it's because of the power of Christ crucified and resurrected that He gets to say, I don't judge you. I don't, I don't condemn you. I, I don't accuse you. The devil is the accuser. I am the Redeemer. He comes to rob, kill and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life overflowing. So if this morning, if, if you have things in your life, that you go, man, I've been weighed down with this. I have been struggling with this. I have been trying to get free in this area. I know that in these areas, I just, I'm just not cutting the mustard, but man, I so want to. I want to be like when Jesus says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. It's because of the radical love and power of Jesus Christ coming around us as a God of a relationship saying, hey, I have more for you. I want to give you holiness. That you would have a life of holiness to give me a gift in return, a gift fit for a king. And as I was praying into this week, going, God, what do you want me to talk about? I felt like I said, I want you to talk about holiness. And I was like, what would that look like? And I just saw a picture of people coming up the front and just handing things over to Jesus so that the God of grace and power would come in and set people free. And I thought, that sounds pretty intense for a leading into Christmas message. And so Glenn as he does, I said, what are you going to be speaking on? And Deb said the same. I said, well, this is what I've seen and this is what I thought and this is what I saw. And they went, oh yeah, we saw the exact same. People up the front with the love of Jesus just helping set people free. That you would go into Christmas with that knowledge that Jesus says, if you're heavy burdened, if you're feeling worn out, come to me and I'll give you rest. Jesus on the cross for us was such a dramatic, powerful moment that any moment that we struggle with sin, we struggle with, with missing the mark, that we could just go, Jesus, I'm gonna give this to you again, that I would receive freely from you that gift of holiness, that I have a gift fit for the King. And maybe you might even be here this morning, you go, man, I don't even have a relationship with Jesus. I just have 30 Five years worth of just stuff. Can Jesus take that in one moment? Yeah, He can. Come on, I've got 80 years of stuff. That's sweet. Jesus can take that too. 
might be like, man, I'm just sitting on one day's worth of things. Like yesterday, man, I just, I would just love to hit the reset button on yesterday and hand that to Jesus. Awesome. What I'd love us to do is I'd love us all to stand. That'd be good. Let's do that. And then this morning, if you go, you know what, Jared, I just, either I want to come to the front and just have time with Jesus, or I want to have some of the ministry team just stand with me in agreement as I just want to have a lifestyle that is holy and pleasing to God because He's given me so much. I want to give Him something. And I know that it'll do well for me. I know that my life would be better, but it's not about that for us. It's going, God, I just... I want to give you something because you've given me everything. And I love giving you time. I love giving you energy. I love giving you finances. But I want to give you a holy lifestyle that would give you honour, that would give you glory, that it would give you pleasure. I don't want to judge my life based upon the standards of the world. But Holy Spirit, right now, would you begin to speak to us as we stand? Would you give us perspective? Would you shine your light on any area that you go, man, I have more for you. I want to give you freedom. In a moment, if you want to respond for prayer or you just want to respond to Jesus, then I'm going to invite you to come up the front. I just wrote this out. I just wanted to pray over us this morning. If you just want to place your hands on your heart, if you just want to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to search your heart, to draw you even closer to Him. Holy Spirit, would you search our hearts, shine your loving light on our lives and reveal to us what we need to give to you. Any areas that we need to bring to Jesus and receive His forgiveness for. That we will receive freedom and fresh life. That our lives will be holy, a great gift of honour for our King in this season. If you just want prayer this morning or you just want to come forward going, Jesus, I just want to pursue fresh your holiness. We just want to stand with you and, and just believe for God's Word, His freedom and His breakthrough as you position your life to be holy, to give Him honour and to give Him glory. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media 